Welcome back to the Gathering Place of All Nations. This Sunday morning, Pastor John Irving talks about fasting and why it's a spiritual necessity. I pray that you are blessed by this message and that your ears are open to hear what God has to say. This year, Happy New Year, Blessed New Year, it's time for a change. We cannot keep doing the same old, same old this year. We need to see results. We need to see a change in our lives, in our families, in our country, in our churches. We're ever so grateful for what God has done over the last 20, 21, 22 years here. But there's more. There's deeper. There's greater. There's higher. And we need more of God this year than ever before. Dr. Russ said about five plus years ago, he says, we have to fall in love with change. The older you get, the more resistant you are to anything changing. Any change in your routine, you don't want to do it. When I was 40 years old, I got married. It was the best thing that ever happened to me other than Jesus. But my pastor said to us, he says, when you get married and you're 22... Uh, you change together and you grow and you discover who you are as a couple. By the time you're 40, you're already set. You already have a rut in your life. And it's going, that's going to, you're not going to have a problem. You know who you are. You have your identity. You know, especially as a Christian. Uh, but um, uh, you will have to change. And the last 25 plus years, Victoria and I have been trying to change. All right, and God is requiring us to change this year, and that's why we're starting off fasting in this new year, and I'm going to get into that message. But first, just a little segue. I had a dream last night, and in this dream, I saw various people in our church, many, many different people, and, um, and it, it had to do with art. Maybe it had something to do with Claudio's testimony last night about being an artist. You're not an artist because you don't have a ponytail and you don't have the right clothes and you don't have shiny shoes or whatever uh, it was that he said last night. Maybe that's why I dreamt about it. But I, I dreamt and I felt the Lord saying, you got a lot of artists in your church. And uh, I looked at and I thought about John in the dream and outside the dream, I thought about John Janus and how they took this building 21 years ago, and, and made a sanctuary out of a, out of a, as Janice was saying, of a pool hall and a, and a bar. And, uh, and then uh, a number of years later, the last uh, seven years, we've been working on transforming this uh, building into a, an, a, a, a sanctuary. And this is absolutely, exceedingly, abundantly above all we can ask and think. Amen. Let's give John Janice a hand here. You see, a, you see a, a skill, a precision, an art in their work. How about Sheila? All right, Sheila, she has just done some amazing things in accounting, and she's doing a lot of things behind the scenes that people don't see. All right, and there are many, many others in the dream. I, I, I don't want to start and then uh, forget somebody, all right? Um, but in the end of the dream, I felt like I heard, don't forget. Philemon and Beulah, aren't they amazing? All right. 
And when I woke up and I was praying, I really felt, you know, there's one artist that is underappreciated in our church, and um, her name is Joe Cooper. All right. Pray a blessing over Joe. She's not feeling well today. We pray, oh God, that you would touch her and heal her and strengthen her even in the next few days to come, Lord, that she starts off this year uh, full of, 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 of incredible talent and grace and strength. You know, we are a community. The family of God is a community. It is a real family. On Sunday mornings, we predominantly address the family of God. Monday nights, we address the army of God. And uh, uh, there's some crossover, of course. Uh, but we also have various gifts. We all have talents, some 10, some 5, some 1, but every one of us has some kind of gift or talent. And I'm just praying this year that God will begin to show you what that is and how to use that gift or gifts are right for the kingdom of God. Amen? Now, to accomplish this, we need power. To live together as a community, we need power. You don't have to put up your hands, all right? Uh, but how many of you, you can kind of just look at me like, yeah, I know what you're talking about. How many of you, you've had some struggles in your own family, natural family? You've had some struggles with your brothers, sisters, parents, children, grandchildren, aunts, uncles, cousins, all right? Um, you know... In a, in, a, in a natural family, there are obstacles and there are concerns and there's uh, um, forces that are at work to try to divide us. Uh, and in this world, especially with our government and some of the uh, international and national and local uh, areas, we have forces very strong at work to divide us, divide our country, our people along racial lines, bringing in a corrupt and a, and a wicked uh, curriculum called CRT, critical race theory, trying to divide us, trying to say that one race is worse than another. Well, my Bible says that there's neither Jew nor Gentile, rich nor poor, male or female. We are one. We are united in Christ. But how do we get this power? That's what we're going to talk about today. The church is supposed to be a place of unity where we're united. And I can tell you that for 21, 22 years, our church has been incredibly united. And we owe it all to God. It is his presence. All right? I'm not saying that there hasn't been a few points where the board or others have had some disagreements. And there's nothing wrong necessarily with disagreements all right, we're not asking everybody to think the same way I do or you think the same way Victoria does or, you know, everybody thinks like Ellen Campbell. All right, um, uh, that would be a wonderful world if everybody thought like Ellen, you know. Uh, but anyway, you, you know, we're, we all have our individuality and that's good. But we can be united. Uh, anybody that's been married more than uh, six months, that includes Mike and Joanne, glory to God. All right, uh, knows that there are times where you think differently. All right, but the beautiful thing is in Christ, we can overcome that. And it's, it's a, it actually is a safeguard. 
Victoria's thinking differently has protected me and the church many times because I'm ready to, to run. I'm like a microwave. I want to go and do it. And, of course, as somebody said, ladies are more like slow cookers. All right? They warm up to ideas. And, um, and, uh, and that's, a, that's a beautiful thing. And that's been very good on our board and in our church that we have had uh, different differences of opinion. And then we wait on the Lord, and the Lord directs us. Amen? And... Uh, so our strength is his word. Our strength is the joy of the Lord. Our strength is, comes through peace, comes through his love. Amen? And it's what the world needs and what the world is crying out for. We have it. Somebody turn to somebody and say, we got it. Or we got him. Hallelujah. Praise God. So this 21 days of fasting, I'm going to encourage you to uh, write down or type out any dreams you get, any visions, any words. And over the next three weeks, I'm going to ask you to bring them in or email them in to Victoria and I. And we're going to get a binder, a, 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 a file, folder, and we're going to put all these words. Put your name on it. And, uh, and we're just going to read through them. And on the 29th, we're going to say, this is what the Lord is saying to our church through you guys. And it could be a six-year-old. If you have a six-year-old child or grandchild or 14 or whatever, if you get a, if you get a word or your, your child gets a dream, write it down. And we're going to amass them and we're going to look through them. And on the 29th, we're going to share what we feel the Lord is saying to our congregation. Does that sound like a good idea? Amen. So, it, and you know what? It doesn't matter. Everyone, this is the thing I like about a prophetic church is that uh, we're not a, a democracy where we all vote on stuff, all right? We're a greater democracy. We're an apostolic church where the Spirit of God speaks to us and we listen to every prophetic word, all right? doesn't mean we act on every prophetic word. Some of them are dream. Some of them are for the future. Some of them might be you ate pizza last night, although next 21 days, I hope you don't eat pepperoni on your pizza, all right? And... Um, uh, we want uh, the Spirit of God to move. The, the key to the power of the Holy Spirit we're going to talk about this morning is fasting. And so look in your Bibles. We're going to go through a lot of Scripture this morning, so have your Bible ready, or maybe our, our person in the sound booth will be very uh, strong. Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4, starting at verse 1. Jesus fasted. If Jesus fasted, that should settle everything. He commanded us to fast, and he led the example by fasting. All right, Matthew 4. Then Jesus was led, listen to that, led up by the Spirit. Now, he just was baptized. The Spirit of God came upon him like a dove, all right? Into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Victoria and I have been to the area. We took the, the cable car up to the, the, the cliffs. They have little uh, uh, retreat places in there where people come to fast, up right next to Jericho by the Jordan River. And uh, it's a phenomenal uh, view and whatnot in Israel. 
And it says here, after he had fasted 40 days and nights, he became hungry. Now, there's a question, and I'm not going to go into it in much depth. Derek Prince goes into this. And, uh, and I've, did Jesus fast food or fast food and water? All right. There is a lot of speculation about that. I have gone both ways. All right. Um, but Derek makes a very, very Derek Prince. Anybody know who Derek Prince is? Very powerful man of God. Uh, he's with the Lord now. But he said it didn't say, listen to this. He fasted, after he fasted 40 days and nights, he then became hungry and thirsty. Doesn't have anything to do about thirst. So his feeling is that it was just what? It was just food. He's very strong on that. He says that in a number of his videos. And um, I'll just leave that with you. It, it, you know, supernaturally, it could have been water too. But he definitely was hungry. And then the tempter came to him and tempted him three times. Verse 4 is, uh, but he answered and said, It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So in this time of fasting, if you're not reading the Bible, if you're not praying, it may help you physically and for your health. So the world has discovered the power of fasting, especially intermittent fasting, bodybuilders. Body I was told many years ago, watch what bodybuilders do, all right? And I've done that. Now, I haven't fully put it into practice, but they seem to have a handle on how to manage the body, and intermittent fasting is absolutely huge right now everywhere. Anybody heard of intermittent fasting? What that means is that you pick a, a window of eating and a window you don't eat. Well, one thing I've noticed, skinny people don't eat late at night. I've noticed that. I could name names, people here in the church and in the ministry and whatnot, and I've had a struggle that way, all right? But uh, uh, so eating after, no eating after supper and no eating before 11 in the morning is one of the windows. That's called a, a 16 and 8 window. You can do a one meal a day. Uh, there's different windows. So you, you can Google it and you'll see more about it. But if you only do intermittent fasting, it can help you for your health. But there's something deeper. There's something about prayer and fasting. All right? It, it, there has to the Bible and fasting. All right? Now notice that Luke 4.4 4 is, is the same. says the same thing as Matthew 4.4. 4. Let's turn to Luke 4.4. 4. All right. Verse 1, it says, And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit. In Matthew, it's led by the Holy Spirit. But here, it is full of the Holy Spirit. Returned from the Jordan and was led. There it is. And led about by the Spirit into the wilderness. So he's been baptized. He's full of the Holy Spirit. You, you cannot imagine that Jesus would not be full of the Holy Spirit. At the temple when he was 12 years old, he baffled the minds of all the, the Pharisees and the religious leaders. Who is this kid? All right? And he said, I must be about my father's business, he told his parents. All right? So, the key to overcoming temptations is the Word of God 
and fasting. If you have had difficulties in the area of overcoming fleshly um, impulses, the way and the only way that you can fully break that is the word of God and fasting with prayer. That is the way you overcome the carnal nature, and we're going to get into that in a few minutes. So we fast because Jesus fasts. And so he's led, and then the tempter comes and uh, says in verse 3, if you're the son of God, tell this stone to become bread. You know, when we start fasting, it's very, food becomes very, very tempting. All right? And Jesus answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. All right? By the word of God. Remember when the disciples went out to get food and Jesus was talking to the Samaritan woman? And they're saying, you know, what? and he says, my food is to do the will of the Father. Can we make that our, our, our goal this year? Our food is to do the will of the Father. Amen? And so in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, it says, No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. But God is faithful. He will not let you be tested or tempted beyond what you can endure. And when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out, a way of escape, so that you can stand up under it. And so any one of us is in the area of temptation, God has a way out. God has a way for us to stand up under it. One of the ways that the church in North America has failed is in the whole area of fasting and praying. If you are, you know, what separates the disciples of Jesus from church people is fasting and prayer. That is the difference. There are many people who go to church, but not everyone fasts and prays. Now, there may be some uh, physical reasons, uh, doctor, medical reasons why you shouldn't fast. We certainly honor and respect that. All right. And uh, you, uh, you do what you feel you need to do and what your doctor says, et cetera, et cetera. What's a, what's a definition of fasting? I, I found this definition. I really like it. It is the voluntary abstaining from food for spiritual purposes. That says it all right there. Let me say that again. The definition of fasting all right, not, not fasting to lose weight or fasting to do this or that. Or Isn't it a nice, uh, nice bonus that when you fast, you can lose a little weight? Praise God. But the definition for fasting for this 21 days is the voluntary abstaining from food for spiritual purposes. And again, fasting is not um, unknown in other places. Atheists and bodybuilders, people are concerned about their health. They fast. I remember back when I was in, before I was a Christian, and I was in the Middle East, and a guy, I forgot his name, but um, him and his brother uh, uh, snuck onto a plane going to Vietnam. Uh, they weren't soldiers. They weren't uh, drafted. They went over there, and they started a scuba diving in the Saigon River uh, looking for uh, items or whatever for the, mil for the U.S. military. But they kind of snuck on and started a business over there. But anyway, when we were, we were in the Middle East, and, and uh, he was doing some work there uh, years after Vietnam, of course. 
And he went on a 14-day fast. And that's the first time I ever, I wasn't a believer. I, I'm like, what on earth? He says, I do this once, maybe twice a year, and then I don't have to worry about eating the rest of the year. All right? I thought, wow, that's, that's pretty something. I never forgot that. All right? Now, we want to do it for spiritual purposes, but there are also health benefits. All right? But Hindus, Muslims, the Ramadan, Buddhists, and other places, they all fast as well. All right? So fasting is not just a Christian thing. Uh, it is a, a discipline that is found in other uh, places. What's the purpose of fasting? Well, I'm glad you asked. Why do we fast? It's a way that we can humble ourselves. That's what it's all about. Sometimes fasting is the only thing that will bring our carnal nature into control and that we humble ourselves before God. And the Bible speaks that we need to humble ourselves. All right? In 2 Corinthians 7.14... If my people, that's all of us, will humble themselves and pray. Second Chronicles, sorry. Second Chronicles 7.14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then, then I will hear from heaven. Praise God. Somebody may want to go tell Jack we hear him. All right. Ellen? Oh, I thought it was Jack. I thought I heard Jack's voice. Anyway, so that must be the Lord trying to get a hold of you. And um, so anyway, the word humble there, really, you can replace it with fast. Almost every time in the Old Testament, uh, even some places of the New Testament, when you hear the word humble, you can replace it. If my people are called by my name, well, fast and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. All right, fasting is the best way to humble ourselves. And God requires us, requires us to humble ourselves. It's not an option. It's a command. Um, look at um, Matthew 18. Matthew 18, verse 4 says this. Whoever then humbles himself as this child, he's the greatest in the kingdom of God. Matthew 23, turn over a few scriptures. Matthew 23, 12 says this. And whoever exalts himself shall be humbled. It is so easy to, hum to exalt yourself. Oh, look what I did. Look at the message I preached. Oh, look at the job I did at work. Oh, look, I'm such a good parent. Said nobody. And, uh, <laughs> all right. And whoever humbles himself shall be exalted. You want to be lifted up? The way to, to lift yourself up is to go low. And, I mean, this whole area of humility is we could preach, and I believe we will preach a little bit more on it down the road. All right? And so this year, the beginning of the year, the fasting is to humble ourselves before God, all right? It is to come before God and say, you alone are my master. You alone are the one I want to serve. And to help remove all the distractions. 
So some of the distractions might be your phone, might be TV, might be the news. I'm hitting on all my, my, my areas here. Uh, maybe your areas, maybe it's uh, telephone calls, maybe it's movies, maybe, uh, maybe it's food. Uh, there's a lot of distractions. Family, children, grandchildren, all right? I'm not saying to remove yourself from all that, but we can limit and we can restrict all right, ourselves from some of this social media, all right? James 4.10 says to humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord, and he will exalt you, all right? And let me just further read a couple of verses here. I'm just looking for James here. James chapter 4, verse 10 and there's two verses that are very important right before it. It's verse 7. Submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist the devil. Fasting is a way of resisting the devil. The devil told Jesus, turn that rock into bread. He says, no, no, no. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Every word. The Bible. The word of God. All right. And he quoted scripture. That's how he defeated the enemy, quoting scripture, by fasting and praying. We want to have victory this year. We need to start with a time of fasting. All right, and then it says here, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. That's what we're doing these next 21 days. I don't know about you, but I need to draw closer to God. All right, I, I, I need it and so does everybody in this room need it. All right, cleanse your hands you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Wow. Some very, very telling things. And then finally, First Peter talks about humbling as well. Chapter 5, verse 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. Why are we fasting to humble ourselves under his hand? That he may exalt you at the proper time. And here's that verse that we're on our sheet. Casting all your anxiety, all your concerns, all your worries upon him because he cares for you. Now listen to this next verse. Be of sober spirit. Be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls like a roaring lion seeking someone to, to, to devour. But resist him. Firm in your faith. That's what we're doing. We're building up our faith muscles this three weeks, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. It's our, 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 our brethren, our, our, our family of God is experiencing stuff around the world. I listened yesterday or two days ago to um, Jordan Peterson. Anybody know Jordan Peterson? Very prolific uh, uh, speaker and, and author, former professor at U of T, and he refused to bend the knee to all the woke uh, uh, pronouns and whatnot, and he became an internet and an overnight uh, celebrity. Uh, I'm not saying everything he does or says I agree with, but he came out and he said this. I've shared this briefly last night. AI, artificial intelligence, has gotten to the place where now uh, this year, it can replicate a human brain. I never thought that was possible. I'd never in a thousand years thought a computer could ever have 
a mind and think like a person. And he said, the scary thing is by the end of this year, it is predicted that AI will increase and have a greater understanding than a human being. And if that is true, then think about how they're going to try to manipulate us to believe, all right, things that are not true. That's why we need to humble ourselves and stay close to the Lord because there's a huge deception and a falling away that is coming. And I don't want myself and I don't want any of you to fall away from, from the Lord, to be deceived, to be uh, um, uh, caught off guard. And so we need to humble ourselves. Now, humbling ourselves is our responsibility. You know, we can pray, oh, Lord, humble me, but he's saying, well, I've already told you how to do it. My scripture is full, fast, with, it, with the right motive. Isaiah talks about what a real fast is and what a false fast is. All right, we don't have time to go into there. Joel talks about calling forth a fast. Today we don't have time, perhaps a couple of weeks from now. But our responsibility is fasting, all right? And um, let me keep going here. And let's go back and look at Jesus' fast. This, oh, I'm sorry. There's many books. I have many books on fasting. Um, this one was written by Lou Engel. Anybody heard of Lou Engel? All right. Let me read a forward in this book to you just for a few moments. All right. It says, um, Matthew 17, the scribes used a prophecy from Malachi saying the Elijah the prophet would return before the day of the Lord. We're very close to the day of the Lord. That's the day of the Lord's return. To contest uh, Jesus' messianic claims, uh, since Elijah had not yet come, they argued Jesus could not be the Messiah. And when the disciples asked Jesus for an explanation, he said this in Matthew 17, Elijah is coming, but I say to you that Elijah already came, and they did not recognize him, but did to him whatever they wished. Then the disciples understood that he's spoken to them about John the Baptist. And so he goes on, uh, Daniel Kalanda is, is, is the author of this foreword. And he said that um, Jesus' response was clear. Elijah prophesied by Malachi that John was the Baptist. In a sense, he had come in the spirit and power of Elijah. Remember his diet? <laughs> he had a very restrictive diet. All right? In uh, Luke 117. Yet notice something very interesting. Not only did Jesus say that Elijah had come, meaning John, but he said in the same statement that Elijah is coming. Remember we talked a couple of weeks ago about the first coming of the Lord and the second coming of the Lord. All right? And, uh, and so who is the Elijah yet to come? So many people speculate that it's going to be this person or somebody, but I like what Daniel Kalanda and uh, Lou Engel are saying here, all right, rather than a one solitary man, and we read that uh, quote last week on Christmas, a solitary, a lonely voice crying in the wilderness, I believe that an entire generation will arise. I'm believing 
And on my fasting this time, I'm going to ask that you would also pray with me. It's for young adults. This is a year for young adults to come. I, I would be honored and humbled if two-thirds of our church would be young adults next year, under 40, under 50, under 30, under 20. I believe an entire generation will arise in the spirit and power of Elijah before the second coming of the Lord. There will be a generation of John the Baptist preparing the way for the coming king. They will be burning men and women, pointing the way from themselves to the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. They will be the ultimate fulfillment of Joel's prophecy. We're going to be studying the book of Joel starting tomorrow morning at 9 on Zoom and my Facebook. It will come about that after this I will pour out my spirit on all mankind and your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. I'm not sure which I am because I still get visions and I get dreams. All right. Your young men will see visions even on the male and female servants. I will pour out my spirit. Can you see it? An army of Elijah's. I see it. Of John the Baptist filled with the spirit of God, walking in the supernatural power, seeing the invisible, doing the impossible, declaring the word of the Lord with prophetic urgency from the least to the greatest. All right. We're going to see that happen. And that's why we're fasting to see the Elijahs, this generation of John the Baptist come in the power and might of God. All right? Jesus' ministry began with fasting. We go back to Luke chapter 4. I'll highlight something almost every one of you have seen, but we need to look at it fresh and anew. Luke chapter 4. Verse um, 14, he was full of the Holy Spirit, led by the Holy Spirit, but after 40 days of fasting, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. Now, this kind of messes with your mind. How can Jesus have more of the Holy Spirit? But because he was 100% man, there he allowed himself to have some limitations Jesus didn't heal anybody because he was God. He healed them because he was sinless. He healed them because he was under the uh, authority of his Father. And so we too, when we are full of the Holy Spirit, powerful testimony our brother gave last night. All right, you go back and watch it. When we get full of the Holy Spirit, and then when we pray, and when we fast, we Get equipped with the power of God. How many people want the power of God in your lives? That's why we're fasting. It is not a spiritual um, thing that we're doing just to look good. No, this is something real that we're doing. I need it, and you need it, and God says we need it. All right? And so he began his public ministry after uh, being tempted 40 days and 40 nights, and he overcome the devil and he walked in the power of the Holy Spirit. If you turn over to Matthew chapter 6, we're going to look at three disciplines that Jesus said that we need to be walking in. And you know them all. We're not going to go through them very, very quickly. 
very, very in-depth. The three things in Matthew chapter 6 in the Sermon on the Mount. It says here, verse 2, When therefore you give alms. All right? So that's the first discipline every Christian is giving. Now we're talking specifically to the poor, but we can also say this is a general uh, word for giving. Christians are to have the discipline of being giving, being generous. Remember the Philippians, they were generous to Paul and his needs. Then it goes down in verse 5, and when you pray, and none of us would, would, would think that this is not a solid, strong Christian discipline is to, to give and to pray. And then it, through here he comes and he talks about the Lord's Prayer. And he teaches them this is how you need to pray. And then it says here, and when you fast. He equated fasting with praying. The two of them go together. Fasting and praying go together. And he equated it also with giving. All three disciplines set a Christian uh, apart from just someone that goes to church. And that is very, very important. And Jesus set the example. Psalms 35, 13 says this, I humbled my soul through fasting. Ezra, all right, turn quickly to Ezra. I got at least another hour's worth of message I'm going to sum up in the next few minutes. All right, um, Ezra chapter 8. Okay, I've got all these bookmarks here to help find it quickly. Verse 8 through 21. This is when the exiles are returning, are about to return home, and they have a dangerous journey ahead of them. All right, verse 21. Then I proclaimed the fast. All right? There's been a number of times in the Bible where a leader, a prophet, a king will call for a fast for his people to go through. I proclaimed a fast there at the river of Ahava. That's right before they journeyed out of uh, Babylon and came back to uh, uh, Israel. That we might humble ourselves before the Lord God to seek from him a safe journey for us and our little ones and all our possessions. Verse 22. For I was ashamed to request from the king's troops and horsemen to protect us from the enemy on the way because, because we had said to the king, the hand of our God is favorably disposed to all those who seek him. But his power and his anger are against those who forsake him. And so we fasted and sought our God concerning this matter. And he listened to our entreaty. Isn't that something? God listens. And so there's two ways of protection. He could ask the government. He could ask the, the king, all right, to send an army with him to protect them on their travels. But he had already said our God's going to go before him. Have you ever said that to your family? My God can get set. Well, then we need to fast and pray that God can do it. And God did protect them on their way. And that's why we were calling this fast today for TGP. We're calling it for safety, protection, for ourselves, for our loved ones, for this year coming up, and all the uncertainties. 
All right, there are many prophets, and God will not do anything unless he speaks to his prophets. But at the same time, there's a lot of uncertainty about the next year or two. We know ultimately that the, the uh, tribulation is going to begin when, we don't know, but we know that we're heading in that direction. And through it all, if we fast and pray, we can encounter God's safety and protection. Number two, for our family, for our sons, our daughters, for salvation, for our family, for friends, for co-workers, we can pray for health, for peace, for financial. Uh, you know, that's our, our next one. Number uh, three is financial provision. And I'm going to ask you, would, so pray for young adults, pray for your family, whatever you feel to pray, but pray for young adults, but also pray for financial provision. We prayed many times for financial breakthrough, and the Lord says, I, you've already broken through. Now pray for provision. All right? It's one thing you've got to bury in front of you, and you tear it down. All right? Well, you need to reach in and, and, and get what, what, what's yours. So I believe the financial breakthrough is already here. We just have to reach in and obtain it. Amen? Whether it be for your work, for your family, for your, your, your getting. We we're praying for being debt-free. Amen? That's what we're praying for. So I'm going to pray that, that we're going to be praying for all of you to be debt-free, and I'm going to pray that you pray for this church to be debt-free this year. Amen? We're going to believe for that. All right? Another one is uh, King Jehoshaphat. I'm just going to share the, the uh, uh, illustration. King Jehoshaphat got a report of this vast army that was coming against him. He's the seventh righteous man, king in Judah, and he goes, it's found in 2 Chronicles 20, 2 to 4. Uh, maybe you could put that scripture up and you can read it. I'm not going to go into it, but he called a fast. He called a fast, and then he said this prayer right afterwards. That's remarkable. Totally humbling himself before God and saying, God, you alone are able to save us. And God did. All right? And um, so that's a little homework for you. Uh, Yom Kippur, Leviticus 16, uh, 29 to 31. Everyone was required to fast that day. If you didn't fast, you were to be separated and cast out and stoned and removed from the people of God. All right? You can read it for yourself in Le Leviticus 16 for time I'm running through some stuff pretty quickly. What was the purpose of the Day of Atonement? Once a year, Yom Kippur in the fall was to humble, to deny yourself, to fast. Jesus says in Matthew 16 that we are to deny ourselves, to take up our cross, to follow Jesus. That's what we're doing this year. All right? That's what we're doing. We're not saying there is, there's great joy when we come under his uh, lordship. And there's great freedom when we break free from our own body and our domination. How fasting can change us, all right? Um, Acts 1.8, you will receive power. Everybody say power. Power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the world. We need this power. The disciples waited for the Lord for this endowment on power. All right? Ephesians 3.20, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we can ask or think. 
according to the power that worketh in us. There's that power again. It has to do, and I need about five more minutes. I hope I can finish. The old nature. We need to talk about what are we trying to crucify? What are we trying to put asunder? It's our old nature. It's our unregenerated soul. And it is an opposition to the things of God. Listen to this, all right? Uh, the carnal nature, another word for it is flesh. Rebellion to God. In Galatians 5, turn to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. I know I have it here somewhere. Glory to God. Okay. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 and 17. It says, But I say to you, this is Paul, walk by the Spirit. That's what we're trying. We're trying to have a great reset so that we walk by the Spirit and not just go ahead and do things and do programs and, and slip into. That's where most churches go wrong is they begin to go in their own strength. I'm going to tell you, I don't have strength for 2023, but he has strength. He has strategy. He has provision. And we're going to lean on him and not in my understanding or your understanding. We're going to lean on him and we're going to get the mind of Christ. Amen. And so we have here in verse 6, I, But I say to you, walk, live by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you please. And then it talks, it goes on to talk, it gives a list of the things of the flesh, and then it gives the things, the fruit of the Spirit. Let me read the fruit of the Spirit here. All right. Um, but the fruit of the Spirit, verse 22, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, fruitfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. I read that verse almost every day, those two verses, at least every week. When we yield to our carnal nature, we oppose God, his Holy Spirit. Yet, if we are to yield to the Holy Spirit, we must deal with the carnal nature. Our churches in North America are full of carnal Christians. It's full. We don't have the fullness of the Spirit, and we are not walking by the power, but... Our desire is that this year we're going to walk in the fullness and in the power of God more than ever before. Yes. Now, Romans uh, 8. Turn to Romans 8. And I'm almost done. Someone say hallelujah. Okay. I heard that one. Okay. Verse 6. I, I mean, I love the, the chapter of, of Romans 8. Verse 6, for the mind set on flesh, or carnality, is death. But the mind set on the spirit is life and peace. Verse 7, because the mind set on the flesh is hostile towards God, for it does not subject itself to the law of God, for it is not even able to do so. Therefore, those who are in the flesh cannot 
please God. You want to please God this year? Let's fast. Let's bring our lives under his subjection. Yes. Carnal nature, the old regenerative person is our will, our mind, our emotions. Listen to this. Will says, I want. Mind says, I think. Emotion says, I feel. The ungodly uh, trinity, all right, in each one of us. And fasting is the key to destroy it. Praise God. How do we defeat the carnal nature? Paul says, and with this verse, we're almost closing. I have one more illustration to share, and then we're going to pray. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Are you okay with reading a lot of scriptures? All right. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Paul is talking about his life, and he's giving a message to us what this is about. Starting at verse um, 22. To the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. Verse 23. And I do all things for the sake of the gospel, that I may uh, become a fellow partaker of it. Verse 24. Do you not know that those who run in a race, here's the illustration, all run, but only one receives the prize. Run in such a way that you may win. And everyone who competes in the games, that's the Olympic games back then, exercises him self-control in all these things. Then they do it to receive a perishable wreath. But we are imperishable. Therefore, I run in such a way as not without aim. I box in a way that I, as not just beating the air, but I buffet my body. I subject my body uh, and make it my slave. Lest possibly after I have preached to others, I should be disqualified. Very, very important. And I like this illustration I read about hearing the message on fasting. And they decided to go out the next day after church on the Monday, and I'm going to go and fast just like the preacher said. And that day he got out and he went to work, and on the way to work, he looked, saw Tim Hortons, and then uh, later that morning he saw his, his, uh, his, uh, his co-workers, uh, eating donuts and, 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 and such, and, and uh, his stomach continued to grumble. At lunchtime, people were eating around him. He saw some restaurants, and his stomach grumbled even more. By supper time, it was full-out rebellion, all right, his stomach. And that night, uh, instead of caving in, he said something like this. He said, stomach, you've been very naughty boy today. You have been nothing but a hindrance and a pain to me, and you will not do that again, for I'm going to punish you, stomach. I was only going to do one day, but since you caused so much ruckus, I'm going to fast another day until you get quiet. How about that one? All right? So you can talk to your stomach. I'm not hungry. I have the power of God. All right? So... Let's give him our all in 2023. 
let's be full of the Spirit and walk in the power of the Spirit. In just a moment, I'm going to ask you to stand if you want Jesus to be your master this year. You want to make a fresh commitment by just standing. If you don't know the Lord, if you're here or at home, and you want to know Jesus, you can stand with us. All right? So if you want Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, afresh and anew, you want to walk in the power and the fullness of the Holy Spirit, just stand right now. And I want you to pray this prayer after me. Dear Lord, I surrender my heart and my life and my stomach to you this year. Help me to overcome the carnal nature that I want, I feel, I think. May it be your mind that I have. Flesh, I command you to be subject to the Holy Spirit. Jesus, fill me a full and afresh this first day of January, this year. This next 21 days, I will humble myself. Show me what I'm to do. And I request your assistance to conquer and subdue my flesh. I acknowledge you as my Lord and Savior, that you died on the cross, and now I will pick up my cross, and I will deny myself to live for you. Amen. you enjoyed today's message. Join us next week with a message from our very own Dr. Josh Nikonen. God bless you.